Welcome to TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. I have the chili dog beside me, wanting to be petted, and I think she's ready for a banyo, but we're going to do this introduction first. A um, little bit different episode this week. Mark Van Tongeren, Tong, Tongeren, and, you know, whatever. Mark is somebody that's really passionate about um, growing the sport. Um, he's got some interesting ideas, does some cool races up in uh, Michigan. So I think uh, he's somebody worth listening to. He's got some ideas, and uh, he's very willing to share them with people. He's very happy to have a chance to talk where he didn't feel he was going to be boring, and he wasn't. So a couple of uh, actual announcements to make. One, um, Doug Kreitzer, in his infinite wisdom this week, uh, invited me to come down to the Maya Mountain Adventure in Belize in February and uh, help shoot the race and cover it. So I will be going. So that's pretty cool. Thanks, Doug. And two, and this is a little bit, um, we'll keep it under our podcast hats because it's kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't know. I feel okay about it. If you haven't uh, seen Primal Quest, and I know a lot of you haven't been able to, um, you know, it's just the way it happens, uh, get in touch with me because I think um, I might be able to help you out. Let's just put it at, leave it at that. So send me a message. You should be able, if you can't figure out how to get a hold of me, then you don't deserve to watch it anyway. So how's that? Um, so other than that, uh, feeling better. I think it probably sounds like it. Actually getting a little, uh, getting out a little bit with uh, me and Chili. We're actually uh, going up a couple of hills this week. So that is a plus. Um, all right, let's get this going because I'm busy making DVDs on the other computer. So let's... Uh, Get this show on the road. Everybody, go out there, go fast, take chances, have fun this week, and um, stand by. We've got some more cool guests coming Hello, up. Hello, this is Mark. Hey, Thanks Mark, for listening. Hey, Randy. So, I just, I just love it when technology works the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd think after like 80 of these, I'd have it figured out, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so. So, building a... Building a bridge across the swamps sounds sort of like trying to uh, get adventure racers. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, it's a trail race we do called the Dirty Duel, and um, they can pick from two different courses that take the same amount of time, but they're really different. One is mostly trail, and the other has a lot of off-trail, including the swamp crossing. But we help them a little bit with some planks and logs. and But it does... Um, it does uh, make them kind of think about, you know, off-trail running and how much fun that is. So it, uh, it does benefit adventure racing, hopefully. Yeah. Well, and it's hey, more fun to play in a swamp than almost anything else, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. So is that race coming up this weekend? Um, no, it's actually November 14th, okay. a few weeks away. So um, it takes me a long time to get ready for it just because every year it's too new you know, 5Ks that I design, and then I got to run them and try to run them at the same pace and make sure that they finish at the same time. 
so that uh, it's fair to everybody. But so, yeah, it's so, fun. So, well, and <clears throat> it's kind of why we're talking because I'm not sure that I know anybody that spends as much time as you thinking about how to get people into AR. <laughs> yeah, I I do. I'm a a little too much. I think I, I'm a little bit consumed. You know, it's I'm passionate about it and. Um, I maybe take that a little bit overboard. I have to watch, you know, I, I, it's, it's good to share about it and talk about it online, but, but, um, I don't want to, well, I I don't know. I'm a, I, I'm a little shy, so I try, I don't want to say so much about it. Well, you know what? This is your chance to say anything you want. So, (laughs) okay. (laughs) So what's, and this is always kind of fun for me because I, you know, a lot of times I know people I'm talking to, but I don't know, I don't know you from Adam, as they say. Right. So, so um, what's your background, and what makes you so passionate about this? Yeah, um, I um, have 15 years' experience in marketing and marketing communications, advertising. So, um, so I come at putting on races and promoting races with with that experience and um knowing how important that is mm-hmm. so i think that kind of has driven our strategy with what type of races we put on and how we promote them and that kind of thing but um my job was uh kind of a nightmare experience in the last few years i was uh, extremely bored i didn't have enough work to do um so i was you know billing about 15 20 hours a week and then sitting staring at the computer for another 20 25 hours a week and practically drove me insane yeah. so so i started planning this um urban adventure race that another guy and i had been talking about and um and uh so in my spare time at work <laughs> i um i designed an adventure race and and um we had 750 people show up and we realized uh, i think we have something going here so <laughs> So I quit my job. Um, my wife has a good, steady job, and it was just a great opportunity to to grow adventure racing and also, um, you know, do it full time. Um, and I never expected to make a lot of money, and I don't make a lot of money. I don't replace my past income, but it's it's uh, it's plenty, um, and it allows me to to definitely think about adventure racing. You know, forty to sixty hours every week. So. Yeah, there is something to be said for that. One, yeah, there's no money in adventure racing, but man, when you have when you have the time to be able to do it, there's kind of not anything better. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's uh, and I pinched myself. Um, still not sure, you know, how long it'll last, but um, it's been we've been doing it since 2011. I got three other partners that just. Um, own 10% of the company and help on uh day before race and race day and with some taxes and, you know, just reviewing things, yeah. um, sounding board for decisions that I'm trying to make. So, yeah. So, um, where are you at? So, so people, so people know where, we are, where, where the new hotspot is. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny cause you would never think you know that we would draw pretty big crowds, but we're in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm-hmm. So um, we started off with just urban races in Grand Rapids. Um, it's about 2 million people in the 
kind of the metropolitan statistical area. I think that's what they call it um, in West Michigan. And so it's a decent sized community. It's certainly not, you know, a Boulder, Colorado, you know, everybody's into the outdoors at all. Um, It's, I think, fairly average. I mean, there's pretty good biking and trail running um, community here, Um, but, but nothing special. Yeah, and uh, now we're expanding out into more kind of northern Michigan and, and maybe the east side of the state just to access new land. And there's some great stuff um, to the north, especially along Lake Michigan, that that we've been starting to take advantage of. Yeah. So, so what do you? How many how many races a year do you put on? Um, I put I we put on four adventure races and and two trail races mm-hmm. each year. Um, we used to put on. 10 um and that was insane considering i was doing about 95 percent of the work it was just um you know 78 uh, 70 or 80 hours a week um, which was way too much so we cut back but we we were able to cut back because as the races um word got out you know we could charge a little bit more and and have the same number of people come out um and and um it's worked out well at six so so um well what two things i mean what what are your adventure races how long are they and and what kind of numbers do you get yeah um so we have um our next race is a winter adventure race mm-hmm. um and it gets really cold here yeah. and there's a lot of snow and um and yet despite that we have about 325 crazies that come out to do a 3 hour race um, it's, um, quite a bit of orienteering to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also has uh, several of the challenges that we put on for our shorter races just to get people interested, you know, amazing race type challenges that I've been throwing out there to the community is something to consider for, for shorter races. Um, so we do about sort of seven or eight challenges with the race, um, fat biking, um, and snowshoeing, and then a few more that um, aren't skill-based. They might be more like a, you know, a memory challenge, or a, you know, you got to find um, 15 miniature orienteering flags in this pine forest. Um, so, but appealing to a lot of people. Um, so that's our winter race. Um, that's just 15, 20 minutes outside of Grand Rapids. Um, and then our next two races are summer races. Those rotate, um, and we're starting to go up north. So our next races will be at um, Sleeping Bear National Lakeshore on Lake Michigan and then Ludington State Park on Lake Michigan. And um, one of those is usually a 5- and 10-hour race. Mm-hmm. So we do a 5-hour. That's to draw in the, the newer crowd and 10-hour for more experienced races. The 10-hour is traditional race racing the five hour certainly has a significant amount of orienteering and mountain biking um but it's um also got our amazing race challenges to it so um that one at silver lake last year we had a huge crowd for that we had 490 to do the five hour race and then um we had 90 people do the it was an eight hour race last year and then our next race after that is our craziest, strangest one of all, and that's our Art Prize edition. So um, Art Prize is the largest public-driven art 
competition in the world. Um, there's 1,600 pieces of art scattered through hundreds of venues in the Grand Rapids area. And um, half of our race on foot weaves through those venues. And so people do amazing race-type challenges related to the art that's on display. Uh, so it's quite unusual, but people love it. And um, and then our bike section, half of it's run and half of it's bike. It's about nine miles a run and about 15 miles a bike. The bike section goes away from downtown just for safety. Yeah. Um, we don't want um, bikers and all the patrons that are going through the um, venues and all the traffic. So we bike outside, outside and, and um, that one had um, 390 people this year. Um, that's a four-hour race. So that's our third one. Um, I mean, that's our fourth one. So two summer, um, the art prize one, and then a winter one. Um, so at this point, we do an eight-hour and a 10-hour race um, each year, and we keep growing it by about two hours every year, um, try to get people to to uh, have, build some confidence and some skills, and hopefully we'll kind of creep up to 15 hours and, and eventually a 24, and we'd love to do a coast-to-coast -coast race across the lower peninsula from uh, Lake Michigan to Lake Huron. Um, but I'm not sure if people are ready for it, the um, number of hours I'd have to put into it versus the number of people that would do it. Um, yeah. I can't justify it yet, but I'm hoping to. Um, so that's part of our goal is not just for ourselves, but for adventure racing as a whole in North America is to get people to, you know, start stepping up to the, the longer races and try to reestablish more of those out there. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it sounds like a, like you have a plan unlike some people. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, you know well, it's I been... think you have a long-term plan, you know, I think everybody that's in it kind of knows what they want to do next year, but yeah. you probably know what you want to do in five years. Yeah, I, th I, I think so. And, and that, you know, doing it full time certainly helps. I mean, there's yeah. more motivation there's, and there's more time to think about those things. And so I'm, you know, I'm starting to share with people that are interested, you know, how, how I am doing it. Yeah. Not, not the only way, but it's one way. And um, I do think we need more people, you know, doing it full time so that they can think about it more and um, spend more time, you know, investing more time in events and test running courses and promoting and all that stuff. It's really hard to do, you know, if you have a full-time job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, and I've had this conversation with other people, but I, my feeling is, is that generally speaking, the races that are going to be successful are the for-profit, you know, somebody that is yeah. doing it full-time, not, not, not to take away from a bunch of volunteers, but you know, if this is sort of your livelihood, you, you're going to do it right. Right. So, are you drawing, you know, mostly locals? Are you getting any, you know, are people traveling to your races very much or, or is that? Yeah. Still... You know, not, not, not long distances since we're only up to 10 hours. Yeah. Um, we pull from Chicago a little bit and, you know, Detroit and um, Northern Indiana, but not a whole lot yeah. um, further than that. 
um, you know, Michigan's tough because it's, you know, a peninsula. Yeah. So we've got Lake Michigan as a barrier <laughs> on one side. we got Lake Huron and Customs on the other side, you know, yeah. keeping the Canadians from really coming over too much. Yeah. Um, so we've got some, you know, basically Indiana and a little bit of Illinois and Ohio as our, our borders, and no one's coming from up north because there aren't many people up there. So, so it's been hard. We're, you know, we're starting to talk about, you know, the idea of, you know, can we get the ferry services across Lake Michigan to give discounts so that we can do some cross, you know, racing with uh, the Wisconsin racers that um, have a pretty strong series going of of races and. And uh, you know, I think once we get up to 15 hours and more, we can we can start pulling and and start. Um, right now, I'm not connected with you know USARA or or NARS, yeah. um, I, but I think you know as we get longer races, we'll start um, getting promote promoting races through those groups too, yeah. and yeah. drawing hopefully some people up to get some points for national championship qualification. Yeah, it seems like. Yeah, you just just need a little bit more there. Um, yeah, are you finding that that the people that are coming out to do the short races are moving up? Yeah, we're you know we don't have a lot of data yet, but in our last ten hour race um, this past August, I surveyed everybody, um, and I think yeah, everybody answered the questions because it was part of registration. It was yeah. pre race, so I could get answers. We had um, about 20% that were um, first-time racers mm -hmm. doing a 10-hour, and 30% that came from our sprint races, and 50% that had done other races, um, either in Fatira Sports, which has been putting on races in Michigan for a long time, um, or other other groups. So. So that was really kind of our first or second opportunity to really get some data on it. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if that ratio holds next year or whether we see more of one group or another. But, um, yeah. you know, that was that was 150 people we had for a 10-hour. And so um, we had 45 from the sprint races. Well, you know, to go from 105 up to 150, those 45, that's pretty good. You know, you've covered your fixed expenses. So. Yeah. So you're getting almost kind of pure profit in a way off those, maybe not pure profit, but a, a good margin. And so for us, that was that was uh, definitely um, worthwhile. Yeah. Well, I find it kind of interesting that you had 30% that that was their first race. Yeah, yeah. That was a little surprise for us. Perhaps it was because it was, um, you know, it was only 35 minutes outside of Grand Rapids. Yeah. Um, it was a fairly familiar area, you know, that helps some. But, yeah, that is a pretty big number to jump into a 10-hour um, yeah. without any other sprint races. But Well, and I don't know, from what I've – my uh, extensive research and talking to racers, it is, is real adventure racers, to me, the people that stay with it are the kind of people that jump into a 10-hour race. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they they either love it, and and they're hooked forever, or they're like, I'm I'm selling all this crap. I don't want to do that again. Right. Right. So that, I think that would be really interesting to see how many of of those people come back. Yep. For, for it. So, um, 
I'm, I'm guessing the best part of uh, doing all this is building bridges in the swamp. But, <laughs> but what's the worst part? Um, I would say working from home without any other, um, you know, met at least three or four days a week, you know, I don't <coughs> connect face to face with anybody. Yeah. Um, and so I guess it depends how you're wired. I'm wired pretty well to handle that. I got my, um, dog here that, um, goes biking and running with me during the week um, and that helps, but yeah. it's, you know, you certainly don't have way as much interaction with yeah. people. Um, but you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, the day before the race and the race day and after you've got interaction with hundreds of people that are passionate or, you know, at least trying the sport that you love. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you kind of get it in waves and, and, you know, you interact with vendors and, and racers um, here and there um, before and after races. But um, yeah, so that's a, a little bit of a drawback, but, but there's so many good things that, um, that, uh, it's certainly yeah. well, well like things like oh it's 11 o'clock i think you know what i really want to go for a run right <laughs> so i mean I, i'm kind of that way you know i work with by yep. myself and it's like you know what i want to go i want to go oh you know what i got a podcast at 12 o'clock today and then i'll go back to work <laughs> yeah so there is that that advantage but yeah sometimes you uh yeah miss a little or when you have somebody around it's kind of nice right so um let's let's move to the bigger picture <laughs> what what do you what do you think the united states has to do to get passionate about adventure racing how's how's that yeah. for a simple question <laughs> yeah yeah i you know i mean that's a question that's being tossed around by a lot of people which is good that we're i think maybe talking about it um a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you think it takes like a series, um, you know, to take Primal Quest coming back? Uh, do we need a world championship here? You know, or all of the above probably is the real answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's certainly, you know, guy, I mean, getting it on. I wish, you know, Mark Burnett would come back and <laughs> yeah. he's got the money to to put on uh, the eco challenge again. I'd love to see that. I mean, yeah. that certainly, that obviously was kind of what jump started yeah. racing. Um, it'd be awesome to see that. But yeah. um, I think that, you know, I think it can be done from the other side too. And that's grassroots. You know, it's, it's all these smaller events, um, you know, that aren't specifically targeting weekend warriors and obstacle racers, but, they're designed to really make people turn their head and go, Oh man, there's something a lot better than climbing through mud. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there's millions of people out there doing those things. And I think, you know, that's a pretty good opportunity to, to, uh, get some of those people interested. Obviously you don't want a lot of those people. You don't want the people that are there just for the party and just to be able to post it on Facebook, you know, we're looking for people that are genuine and passionate and love the outdoors. And, but there's a good chunk of people that are that way who are doing those races who don't even know what adventure racing is. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, awareness 
either kind of through the big the big events and the big vehicles the, you know the national media is awesome but i don't know how realistic that is so yeah. um you know i think uh having dozens and dozens of smaller races that are you know promoted well you know yeah. you're they're on facebook they've got you know videos you know quality videos like you shoot and 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 they're um they've got good photos and good websites and and they're accessible they're not you know in deep wilderness and and getting people to kind of take that ladder strategy of growing from there mm. I, I don't know i i think it's going to it's going to take a long time but yeah. um i think it's going to work you know i think you may only get 10% of people in those short races to to go up but um guy if we have enough of those sprint races out there you know 10% that can be a huge number of people that are still stepping up to you know 24 hours and above so yeah yeah it's my sense is that it that adventure race is on the upswing i mean you know yeah look around you know there's some new races got some new new series maybe happening um you know world series seems to be you know growing races and and getting more so yeah yeah that's what i you know you see that so much better than than i do that's where i really want to you know, learn from people that are, you know, going to these events and seeing these things is, you know, in Michigan, we've had this, you know, free fall where we've lost so many organizations and events um, since the Great Recession. You know, we got hit the hardest here with the auto industry, and, and that's been, you know, that really has taken its toll um, next year. I think we'll be the only organization probably putting on races um, in Michigan. Um, And so that's, it's good to hear stories, you know, of, of kind of growth at the the highest level. So the sport, the world championships and the primal quest and things like that. And, and hear about growth because in some places, you know, it's certainly not that way. So it's sometimes it's hard to, hard to believe that it's growing when you, I mean, not that your your races aren't growing, but you know, you want to know that it's being worth it, right? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, and I think my feeling is that um, race directors are starting to figure it out. Like I'm, you know, talking with Doug Kreitzer, you know, Maya Mountain, and he and we're actually going to be doing a lot of um, pre-race stuff. You know, posting, yep. you know, things like that. And, you know, the daily stuff is what, to what I see is what really, is really interesting to people. Um, and I don't know if, you know, you probably don't see that because you've got a 10-hour race. But, you know, what I've noticed is that a daily video like a Cowboy Tough gets tons and tons of views. But after the race and you put it all together... That nobody cares, but that's but that's just the nature of society uh, yeah. now. And social media, it's like, yeah, I'll, oh, two minutes long? No, I'm not going to watch that. Yeah, it, ha- I know. it happened last week. No, I don't care. So um, it's crazy. Yeah, but but do you get do you see people looking? You know, pro- well, you've got enough racers that you probably get some decent traffic afterwards because they want to see what happened, right? 
Yeah, you know, we uh, we don't do a ton of video, but we do a lot of, you know, photography. Yeah. Um, and we certainly get um, a lot of people looking at those images. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, and then to be able to have awesome photos to promote the next race, yeah. you know, is, yeah. is huge. Like you're saying, that pre-race stuff is is so important. And I think maybe maybe a lot of race directors haven't really realized how important that is to, to have, you know, a professional website and professional photos shot and, and to, you know, purchase Facebook ads and, and to have videos and things like that. I, it seems like people are really maybe opening their eyes to, to that. You know, they've seen how the mud runs have done it and the tough mudders and Spartan races and, and, um, you know, a lot of it comes down to how you promote your, your race yeah um so i remember you you do facebook ads right yeah what do you think (laughs) yeah i mean so far for us um we've been we we think they've done you know a really good job what we're trying to do is um set up our system so that we can track actual purchases based on people who click on the facebook Mm -hmm. ad yeah. And there's some technical issues to that um, that we had no idea. <laughs> so, so we don't um, we can't track actual dollars spent, but we can track you know how many people went to the website. Mm-hmm. And so, I can you know I purchased three hundred dollars basically of Facebook ads yeah. per race, and I average about sixteen hundred people going to our website mm-hmm. for that. And yeah. so. Um, that's been, you know, that's been awesome. Even if, you know, all we have to do is get just a small number of those people to actually sign up for the event, um, or maybe they'll sign up, you know, for the next one if they yeah. can't do this one. Um, guy, it's just seems so worth it, you know, that we're, we're definitely um, getting way more for our money. Um, but um, that may be in part because our races tend to be more kind of, I don't know what the word is. Um, they're more accessible and you know closer to yeah. the city and and um, easier for people to do. So we tend to probably get more action on Facebook than you would for a 24-hour race. But um, I think even those longer races, um, I think it can be helpful. Yeah. Well, I I mean personally, I never I never click on an ad in Gmail, <laughs> but if yeah. I, but on Facebook because they do seem almost pretty targeted at you. Although it is one yeah. of my one of my hobbies is you know, go to Amazon and search some really bizarre thing and then wait to see how long it starts to show up on your page. Exactly. <laughs> they they just track you around. Yep. So Yeah, I mean that's it's awesome about Facebook is, you know, the 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 geography, you know, mm-hmm. I can narrow it down by geography and by age and I can, but the most important thing is, you know, I just type in a bunch of interest words. So anyone who's either selected that interest or I don't know, I can't remember exactly how Facebook has measured it, but, you know, they're pulling in all kinds of data to kind of uh, understand everybody's interests. And, you know, so I type trail running and orienteering and adventure racing, but then I also type in mud runner, I mean, tough mudder and Spartan race and try to, you know, target those people and mm-hmm. so it's just so efficient to to do it that way i can't i can't think of any other way that's as efficient yeah well i'm a great believer i think 
that Facebook is where adventure racers go. Um, yeah. You know, I think posting stuff there is, is, you know, they just find it, you know, then they can go and look other places. And I mean, even on videos, you know, race results, updates, anything like that. It, it just, it seems to go to those right people there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, my, where I post everything, you know, I hardly even post anything on my YouTube channel anymore. Um, yeah. You know, afterwards I'll put it up there just because. Sure. But, um, so, um, from a marketing standpoint, is there any races that you've seen that really do it right around the country? Um, you know, I, I probably haven't done enough. You, you said from a marketing standpoint? Yeah, just, yeah, from that standpoint, because, I mean, that's, well, you know, that's where what you are right yeah you know i need to i need to i think get around the country more and see you know (laughs) i think it's been good to be on the on the you know north american adventure racing series the facebook page Mm -hmm. to learn about you know some of these groups that have been doing it well for many years um and um i hear about you know groups i just haven't I haven't signed up for a race to really experience it. Um, So the only, you know, the only really racing I've done outside of Michigan is, is um, in Canada at, you know, Bob Miller's wilderness traverse, which is awesome. Yeah. Not a bad um, race. (laughs) No, you know, and I love how he, you know, he tells stories really well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even just the homepage of his website, the way he, you know, kind of, it's just really inspirational and kind of gets you really excited. Um, you know, that, um, he kind of gives you confidence, even though, you know, it's such a challenging race. You're, you're just, um, the way he communicates, um, you know, how he designs the course and what he thinks about and, you know, the different options for people that might be struggling during a race for, you know, short courses and all that. You can, you just have good confidence, even though it's a, you know, a 30 hour race in the, deep you know yeah. canadian shield so yeah you're you're pretty sure that bob's going to try and get you home yeah exactly <laughs> yeah the, yeah the confidence of having you know maybe one of the world's best navigators in the world certainly does does help me um sign up for the race so yeah you're, you're pretty sure the controls are going to be in the right place yeah <laughs> yeah so, um i'm kind of curious what are some of the uh the challenges that you do during your races, what, what are what are ones that really people have liked, and what are the ones that people hated? Yeah, um, you know, a challenge that blends both physical and mental mm-hmm. is um, probably the ones that they enjoy the most. Yeah. So, a good example is at Silver Lake on Lake Michigan. We had them climb um, the lighthouse there. So, first of all, it's gorgeous lighthouse you know how often do you get to climb a lighthouse during an adventure race and they got to the top and they had to look out and find three boards hidden in the sand dunes uh, not too far away obviously yeah. they got to be within sight and the boards had a combination of three numbers on it and those represented degrees on a compass so while they're up there they needed to try you know each of those options um, and see where they pointed on their compass 
and then go down and follow that bearing, and one of those options would lead you to the the flag. And so, you know, it was physical, it was mental, it kind of, it was kind of scavenger hunt like, um, and it also brought orienteering into the race. Um, and even though they did plenty of other orienteering, it was, you know, it would be a, that would be a appropriate one for a race where we don't have a lot of orienteering just to kind of get them comfortable with the compass. And so, so those are good ones. You know, all the they love all the physical-based ones. You know, at Silver Lake, we had a chance to get them sandboarding down one of the huge dunes. So it's basically like a snowboard, That's except cool. you're flying down a dune on a sandboard. Yeah. You know, once again, something that they never would probably do um, outside of, you know, that race. Yeah. Um, so it, we do things like for our shorter races where we can't, you know, rent 250 canoes, you know, we get them on the paddle boards. So we rent 25 paddle boards and um, they're doing any checkpoint at any time during the race. And so it's a good rotation. Some people are, you know, we never seem to have much of a line at all. Um, and so, again, something kind of unique. It's it's physical, um, but it's different. Yeah. So. Well, those are interesting because that's kind of what, Cowboy Tough does in in its own way. They do the oh yeah. You know they had a paddleboard challenge last year where one you know one teammate had to paddle across the lake and back and you know and they've they've done everything from hand carts to throwing the tomahawk to you know now they got I I think it's going to have to be a signature got to take a shot of whiskey to start the race. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah yeah those it's it's interesting. You have some people that. Um don't like doing those things, but, um, a lot of people do. And we, you know, we don't, um, we don't do them for our eight hour and above races, the yeah. challenges, but we do them for, you know, anything three to five hours and people, people do love them. Um, and I know, I know that some veteran race racers, you know, can't stand the idea of having those in a race, but for, for sprint races, man, if I, promote a race and say, hey, you know, it's the amazing race, you know, um, Grand Rapids style or something. Yeah. Just that alone is going to get me about 100 extra people. Well, so yeah, so it's, well, uh, it's worth considering. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it does. It gets them out there and, and you know, and especially if you can incorporate it into the, into the flow of the race. I mean, you know yep. what? A lot of times a, a hokey rope course is – worse than than a you know a cool little challenge like that so oh yeah you know i'm not gonna say which race but but we had a race this year and you know the ropes were in the first half hour of the race and some teams you know had to wait an hour and 15 minutes to get up the ropes i'm like oh man i just really wish we would have not done the ropes at all if that's going to be how it is Um, so yeah you're right um sometimes sometimes a challenge like that uh a little bit more amazing race challenge, yeah. especially if you can, um, you know, do it where there aren't lines forming. That's our whole key to our sprint races is, you know, they have to be Rogaine style. They have to be, you know, any checkpoint at any time yeah. so that we yeah. can spread out people. And, and we do wave starts too. So we have the, the males go off and then the females go off and then the co-eds go off. And, and that um, plus the, the Rogaine style really spreads people out. Yeah, it sounds like a good way to do it. So, so can I can I tell you my 
favorite challenge I ever saw in a race, and you can yep. steal it, was at um, Expedition Idaho. They had one stage, and I mean, it was it took 20 hours with a bunch of challenges, just building rafts and litters, but they had one team member would get a set of Legos put together, four or five of them in a design, and he yep. had to describe that to his teammate, and they had to do it. Oh, we have done one like that. Have you yep. done that? Yeah, is we it, have. Is it fun to see some people that takes them an hour, and then you get somebody that's like, yeah, I um, I think it was Ron England from Florida, and I, he's like, a, and teaches engineering. It took him yep. like thirty seconds to, to describe it to his yeah, <laughs> yeah. You find out quickly how your brain is wired, don't you? So yeah, that one that was kind of one of the fun ones I think that I've ever seen. So, and and yeah. they did that. He did that as a, you know, as a loop. You had these challenges, but you had some navigation, and you picked up. You know, they had little treats along the way and other things you got. And then at the end, you you took all of the things that you got during the race, and you had to start a fire and burn a stream. Oh. So, uh huh, that's so, cool. Yeah, it, it, yeah, as long as people, as long as people know, you know, kind of what they're getting into, you know, you set expectations. Then I think those things can be really interesting and really bring in a a lot of different yeah you know new racers so so yeah i th- I, I you know you got to get them started somehow and uh yeah you know if you say it's like a tough mudder only f- more fun if that brings them in you do it right right so even yeah, though- as long as you know what i always say to people when i you know pr- kind of share what we're doing is I always say hey we're we're not losing any of the core elements of adventure racing yeah. we're still navigating you know it's still map based it's still team based it's mm-hmm. still multi-sport um, it's still duration you know there's still wilderness we're just adding in a bunch of additional things to bring in you know a lot of new people so um, that's I think the fear is when people hear about our races you know having amazing race challenges they think oh it's not adventure racing anymore yeah. but it is. It's just, you know, we just have to try new ways to to expand. Yeah. Um, and that reminds me of something I wanted to ask you about is, is navigation uh, a problem in getting new people for you? Or have you figured out a way to make it less painful for somebody that doesn't know how to navigate? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we, we really try to communicate you know, that will help them through that before the race. And also, you know, if it's a sprint race, we'll talk about, you know, what type of navigation they should expect, um, you know, talk about, you know, well, there's every point is optional. You know, mm-hmm. that's the first thing. We don't make them mandatory because sometimes, you know, you'll have a race and 50% of the people won't finish because they didn't get, you know, the mandatory number of points. Yeah. So we share, we talk about that, and then, you know, we just make sure we have a free clinic before every race. So I just yesterday set up a clinic um, date on Facebook for our February race, and I checked this morning, and we have 33 people signed up for it in one day. I'm wow. like, holy cow. So um, part of that's because, you know, they're kind of into this, you know, they've kind of become addicted, and maybe they did the first race without knowing how to navigate, but now they're going to really learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it's just, um, you know, 
having making it free and getting it out there on Facebook, you know, it's um yeah. certainly we draw a lot of people because of that. But um yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of race organizations do that already, but um I don't know if they do it before every race and I think it's a good idea to do it, you know. It's just does make a lot of time. You know, we use the same map and the yeah. same points, you know, we do some we go to a orchard that's got a bunch of woods and um you know, we do inside for 45 minutes and we do, you know, in in the field for 45 minutes, small group. And, you know, it's just enough to get them comfortable with it. Yeah. But it's certainly a challenge. You know, that's certainly, a, yeah. you know, the the navigation, the equipment for people that just haven't built it up yet. You know, we're so used to, you know, we have everything pretty much yeah. to be able to do a race. But start if you think about way back when, starting from scratch and, and you know a lot of gear lists are still really long, and mm-hmm. you know I've been trying to. I just shared on Facebook recently about you know, uh, you know, you know it's worth thinking about you know do you need you know first aid kit for a ten hour race that's got forty items in it and yeah. so just, yeah. just yeah. getting people to think about how how to make that simpler and not make it so overwhelming from a financial and mental perspective. Yeah, I mean it can be done. I mean even. Even experienced racers, you know, uh, oh, yeah, you, you're going to do some mountaineering this time. So it's like, you know, look at all that stuff you got to get. So, yeah, I mean, it, it can be a pretty daunting financial challenge, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. So. And, you know, one thing we like about our urban races is a lot of them you can use a road bike mm-hmm. um, and getting people into the a taste of adventure racing without having to, you know, buy or rent a mountain bike is, is okay. Yeah. You know, I'd rather have it be all mountain biking. I'd rather have this single track, um, to go on, but, um, that's not always realistic. Um, and maybe not always beneficial. Yeah. Well, yeah, so don't, least, we all want to go to races that are 10 days in the wilderness where you won't see anybody, but right. You know, uh, doesn't happen. <laughs> yep. So, but, um, yeah. Um what's what's the what's the most let's see how do I want to put this? What's the one thing you didn't expect that you'd be doing so much of when you decided to do this full time? Um sitting at home by yourself on the computer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I maybe a little bit more on the laptop yeah. than I thought. Um it's there's just um part of it is my perfectionism and you know wanting every race to be um promoted right and you know I spend too much time writing race updates you know getting people ready for the race and what they need to know and that just yeah. kind of consumes me so that's yeah. probably the thing that I need to cut back and you would think after a couple of years you could do a save as on every document and not have to do any work, but it never seems to be that case because, you know, two of our four races rotate, you know, venues. Um, and so it's all kind of new from scratch. Yep. Um, but I do try to, re- you know, save as much content as I can from past races and pull it into the new templates. But, um, it just doesn't happen as much as I'd like. Yeah, adventure racing's dirty little secret. How much how much time we have to spend on the internet, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but um but I mean it also works the other way. I mean I can remember 
the first time I looked up anything for adventure racing, which was in mid mid nineties, there was like a list on a Harvard a Harvard list server that had a list of races. And, and oh wow, that was it. And it's like yeah. I mean, how did you know? It's always like, how did you guys do that in the late eighties, early nineties? You know, teams together around the world by mail. <laughs> so yeah, we, crazy. We have Check that advantage, right? Yep. Um, all right, I'm going to ask you a variation of my question. Being a race director, and I and I think I know the answer to this one too. The night before you uh, head out to the course, are you still packing stuff at 2 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, actually, oh, am doing you're one okay. of those guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've um, I used to hang all the points the night before the race because mm-hmm. um, I was so concerned about theft. And um, But then I didn't get much sleep, and I needed that sleep, you know, yeah. before the race on race day. So so I shifted everything, and, you know, I definitely, you know, again, this is 8, 10 hours, so you yeah. can hang everything yeah. pretty easily. It's not, not like a 30-hour or a five-day race or anything. Yeah. But, um Actually, I think again because it's I'm full time. I just um, have everything better in place because I can spend you know 60 hours or 50 hours that week getting ready. Yeah. So, so actually, um, I do okay on sleep the night before. Okay, um, all right. Then let me ask you this: When or do you ever? When do you relax on race day? Because most racers, once the race starts. It becomes relaxing. Um, when and I don't suppose it's when the race starts for you, but when do you? Is it after the race is finally over? Do you get to relax a little bit? Yeah, it depends. You know, when you get up to an eight a, eight or ten hour linear race, mm-hmm. then I relax during the race. Yeah, um, and it's great. You know, I get in my kayak and I take photos of people because I know you know where they're going to be and when they're going to be there, and I got the volunteers in place and. Uh, you know, it's much, much more relaxed. During a sprint race, um, you know, I'm always worried about theft of a flag in the middle of a race and yeah. or an injury or or so on. Or the races, you know, they finish so quickly. It's like, man, I got to start getting ready. I got to get prizes ready and we got to get ready to count, you know, passports and yeah. so on. So it's so different between the two different races. I, I would love someday to do just, you know, eight or ten hour more linear races so. and no sprint races if we can grow it enough. So well, you we'll need see. a nice, you need a nice twenty-four. You get twenty-four hours of relaxation. Yeah, that would be nice. But um, so, and then you know, after race, the next day or two is um, it's hard. I, you know, everything ends up coming back to my house and in my shed, and I have barely enough room right now for yeah. equipment. You know, Gatorade coolers and tents and tables that. That's that's no fun at all. So it takes me a couple of days before I get all that kind of packed away and get the the post race email out to everybody. But um, and then after that, you know, it's a few days of a little relaxing. So and then you move on to the next one. Yeah, with six, you know, you you don't get too many breaks. No, I don't um, suppose. I mean, people no. think that's only six races, but man, you start to look at how much work it is. That's that's a full time. That's full full yeah. time. I think, I don't know how many hours I put into designing, you know, a, 
eight hour race course, but yeah. it's ridiculous. You know, it's, I, I love it so much that, yeah. you know, I test run it a bunch of times and I sit there and look at the maps over and over and, you know, how can I, you know, the thing I really try to add is, you know, strategy to the race, mm-hmm. you know, to give people an option of, you know, they can go two or potentially three ways to get to these points yeah. and try to build in some of that during a race. Not like every point, you don't want to overwhelm people with decisions, but, yeah. but a, a few. Well, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Is having those a few decisions. of those instances where they really have to think about, guy, you know, that looks like a much tougher terrain, but it's so much shorter, you know, is it worth mm-hmm. the risk? And yeah. those are fun. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I'm assuming if anybody uh, wants to get in touch with you and talk about how to grow adventure racing, you'd be. What would be the best way for them to get to get a hold of you? Yeah, um, either by email um, or Facebook is is great. Yeah. So my email is mark at miadventureracing dot com. Or they can find me, you know, on Facebook, like on the NARS Facebook page. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm really willing. You know, I've been talking with a few people here that have kind of found out what we're doing. And, you know, outside of our area, I'm willing to share, you know, we I think we've done 60-some amazing race-type challenges that, you know, people could include in, in their sprint race. Um, and, you know, we're willing to share you know all those with with people and it, those are hard to come up with and yeah. so we've spent a lot of time doing that we know which ones work and which ones don't work so well which ones you know might have lines of people and which ones go really fast or you know you don't have to have stations so a ton of teams can do it at the same time and all those things so all those things it'll help them so well yeah. send me send me links all the stuff okay. in place and then we'll put those in the show notes and then you know what just we just we just keep plugging away right yep i appreciate everything you do um thanks so yeah someday maybe when we do some bigger races we'll get you out here um that'd be fun it'd sure. be interesting to come see uh see how you do it because it is it yeah. is interesting for me because i mean every obviously everybody has a different way of doing it and and what they think is the right way or and and I don't know that I've seen a wrong way yet, so Yeah. I guess you're I guess you're all geniuses. <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully I you know, we'll see in a few years. I really hope the things are, you know, on a on a upswing. Yeah. Um at least in the Midwest where where things have struggled, so Well we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. Thanks so much, Randy. Thanks. This has been it's been interesting for me to see it from your your perspective. So Yeah. I keep thinking eventually I'm gonna have a guest on that's kind of boring. I won't have much fun, but it hasn't happened yet. So yeah. <laughs> Every, good. everybody can rest rest that I've talked to. I haven't I think everybody it's just been fun. So Yeah, good. So. Yeah, I bet that's real must be really interesting talking to people from so many different perspectives. Yeah. And and I I like you know, like journey racing. I've, you know, I've talked to three of them from Primal Quest, and Katie will be next week or so. Because um, you know, you see them and see what they're doing, but then to talk to them and hear what they were thinking and 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 how that goes together with what they're doing is is pretty interesting. So yeah, 
Yeah, I need to get on the phone and just kind of connect with some of those groups too. And so, well, now they know that you know maybe this brings your little part of Michigan to at least a little bit bigger audience. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's awesome. So that's cool. So all right, well, I got to tell everybody to go fast, take chances. Me and you got to go back to work and uh, then maybe have some fun later today. Yeah. <laughs> So I've got. Sounds oh good. wait, I get to be on the computer all night. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I actually was able to record Primal Quest last night, and I have a bunch of people that would like a copy of the DVD. So. Oh, nice. That's what I'm going to be doing. So. But, so cool. So, uh, got your swamp bridge done. Yeah. Yep, I got it. Uh, I fell in once, but um, could have been worse. So at yeah. least my drill didn't fall in. There you go. So, all right. Yep, I think I'm about ready for that race. So, on to now we're trying to plan next year's summer races up north. That's uh, man, getting permits. That's not a fun place to be either. Yeah. Um, uh, well, okay. So. Here's one little. You know, you know, you know how the ADD goes. Is it a little easier now that you've been putting things together for permitting? Do you, or are you still I, starting it? This is what an adventure race is. Yeah, you know it's. It's great in the Grand Rapids area. You know, I know the county people and the city people, and so any park I want to do anything in is is awesome here. But yeah. up north where they haven't heard, you know, yeah, you have to start from scratch and explain, you know, we're not going to have 200 people, you know, in a herd of rhinos, you know, trampling every single, you know, piece of vegetation in your woods. <laughs> so kind of understand getting them to understand, you know, yeah. the minimal, minimal impact <laughs> is, um, it's challenging. Yeah. So, yeah, but, that, I understand that. So, okay. Yeah. Let's go okay. back to work. Thanks, Thanks. Randy. It's been fun. See ya. Bye. Bye.
But I couldn't believe it Well, I just had to find out for myself And I couldn't conceive it Cause I never would listen to nobody else And I couldn't believe it Well, I just had to find out for myself Some things in this world you just can't explain The Cable Boys is white trash And lived over on Carver's Creek Me as a snake, sneaky as a cat Belligerent when they'd speak One night the oldest brother said Y'all meet me in the woolly swamp later We'll take old Lucius's money. We'll feed him to the alligators. They found the old man out in the back with a shovel in his hand. Thirteen rusty mason jars he just dug up out of the sand. And they all went crazy to beat the old man and they picked him up off of the ground. Threw him in the swamp and stood there and laughed as the black water sucked him down. Turned around, they went back to the shack and they picked up the money and ran. Hadn't gone nowhere when they realized they were running in quicksand. And they struggled to scream and couldn't get away just before they went under. They could hear that old man laughing in a voice as loud as thunder. It's been 50 years ago, but you can go by there yet. Spotting a yard in the back of that shack where the ground is always wet. Certain nights that the moon is right down by that dark wood path. You can hear three young men screaming. You can hear one old man laugh. You ever go back in the woolly swamp? Well, you better not go at night. Things out there in the middle of the woods will make a strong man die from pride. Things are crawling, things are flying, things are creeping around on the ground. And they say the ghost of Lucius Clay gets up and he walks around. But I couldn't believe it. Well, I just had to find out for myself and I couldn't conceive it. Cause I never would listen to nobody else And I couldn't believe it Well, I just had to find out for myself